the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. the 16th here in Midtown Manhattan, and I am very excited about today's show. Uh, I am, you are about to hear uh, momentarily uh, from Benjamin Broffman, who is uh, a man in my world needs no introduction. Uh, he's a criminal defense attorney. He was a prosecutor in the late 1970s. He's handled a tremendous amount of big, high-profile cases. He's tried a ton of cases, uh, and he is very gracious with his time and his advice. Uh, he's He's, he's what we call uh, a mensch, just a really good guy. And he's live with me in my office, so um, I get to see him eyeball to eyeball, which is the nicest way to do an interview. Let's face it, folks. You all are radio folks. You listen to the radio, and you can tell when someone's on the phone versus when someone's right there with us. And Ben Broffman is going to be right here with us momentarily. Uh, you know, I love criticism of this show. I love constructive criticism of this show. And I, the universal quote unquote criticism, it's not really criticism, but it's just ideas, uh, is we want to hear more about the law. You know, you're like a real lawyer and they're very, there's really no other real lawyers on the radio right now and other places on the dial. They're all talking about politics and Washington and, and Biden and Pelosi and Congress and all everything's messed up. When we listen to the author Idala Power Hour, it's a place to go where we can escape from that and, um, be entertained and learn a little bit about, uh, the life in the law, and that's what why we're going to do um, Ben Brofman. I believe we're, I'm going to do him today and tomorrow because he's someone who it, it, he deserves more than a little twenty minute, you know, one or two segment interview. Uh, and I don't know if I'm going to ever get him back on the radio again. So stay tuned for Ben Brofman. I'm going to tell you what my life in the law was like today. I had a uh, a case on today, the case of Lauren Pazienza, the young woman who uh, is accused of pushing the older uh, opera teacher. And it was just on for compliance to make sure the prosecutor had turned over all of their materials. And uh, I believe that case was indicted in April or May. So let's say it's May. Let's say it was April. So May, June, July, August. So it's four months old. Uh, I go in front of the court today. And the judge is telling me, okay, we're going to start trial in October. When do you want to start trial? I, I, I'm not thinking about trial. The average homicide in the city of New York is over from, from indictment or arrest or indictment to trial is way over a year. I'm at four months. 
Uh, and this judge is looking to set a trial date. Um, I mean, she has the power to do so, but um, it's not really fair considering the amount of discovery. And I said, I said, there's thousands of hours here of videotapes, uh, all kinds of surveillance video. And, you know, we need to, to go over that. We, we need experts to, to look over that. But um, the judge was, you know, very insistent that we're going to set a trial date. And if we can't go to trial uh, on that date, uh, you know, we're going to... Um, uh, I have to give her a reason why. I'm, I'm, you know, Miss Pazienza's case is a very, very important case, and it's not going to be rushed. Uh, we're not going to, you know, allow uh, anybody to bully us into saying, well, you're not going to have the time to prepare that you need. You're going to hear uh, Ben Brofman, who has tried many, many, many cases. Uh, he'll give you some insight into the amount of preparation that's necessary. When I started in the DA's office uh, almost 30 years ago, what I was told by a great trial attorney, uh, Barry Schreiber, is for every one hour that you're going to be in the courtroom, you need to spend 10 hours to prepare. Um, and that's a long time, 10 hours. So, um, of course, now the New York Post is making a big deal out of it, saying that, you know, the judge accused me of dragging my feet. I'm not, I'm not dragging my feet. I am making sure that my client's right to a fair trial in a timely fashion, um, is preserved. Um, and, you know, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe we'll be ready for trial on October the 6th. Um, but if we're not, uh, that's not going to happen. And I think Mr. Brofman is going to talk to you about, you know, what it's like, the stresses on us and the eyeballs on us. And, you know, there's pictures, I understand, of me on, on, in the newspapers. Um, you, you're, you're up against the government. You're up against the people of the state of New York. It is stressful. Um, there is an enormous amount of pressure. Uh, and, you know, you got to be able to handle it. You got to be able to to take a deep breath, because I think what you're going to hear from Mr. Brofman in this interview is that you take these things very personally. And I'm not going to be as conceited as to put myself in the category of, of Mr. Brofman or Mr. Shargell, um, who's another spectacular criminal defense attorney who just left us, sadly. Um, but if there's maybe a, a secret to the success, it's it's got to do with caring. And because you care, you prepare. And because you prepare, that means you do a really good job, even if it's the result is not the result that you want. So you can read what you want to read in the newspapers about uh, what happened today. But what happened is a judge is trying to, to rush us into a trial that we're not going to be rushed into. Uh, so... But you, you, you should be as excited as I am because not only is Mr. Brofman so accomplished, he's a great storyteller. And so you're going to hear some great stories about the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and today. I sound like I'm a, I'm a DJ like Sam Bellino is. Um, so and it's, we're going to do it today and we're going to do it tomorrow also. I think it's going to be fascinating and gripping. Um, that's it. I'm fired up. I got a whole list of questions and I'm sure we're going to be bouncing all over the place. So stay tuned for Ben Brofman. He's coming up right after the break. So 
So we're all caught up talking about criminal law, criminal defense attorneys, prosecutors. But, you know, most people are not going to ever encounter a prosecutor. Most people are not going to ever need a criminal defense attorney. But will you need a will? Everyone needs a will. Everyone should have a health care proxy, a living will, a power of attorney. And you should have the paperwork in place in case you or one of your loved ones gets sick and you wind up in a rehabilitation center. Because those costs are tremendous. The cost of a nursing home could be $500 a day. It could be $15,000, $20,000 a month. It could absolutely bankrupt you. But maybe you're eligible for Medicaid. Maybe there's an insurance policy you could buy now that protects you from all of that stuff. Just call Connors and Sullivan Attorneys at Law. They've helped hundreds of people just like you with the same thing that you could be going through. Protect yourself. They'll tell you exactly what you're eligible for, and they'll also help you devise a plan to avoid such dire financial news. Call Connors and Sullivan for a free initial consultation with a lawyer. Call 718-238-6500. They have offices in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. It's never too late. The time to act is now. So don't wait. Call Connors and Sullivan today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. And after you call and you make that appointment, you'll be so glad that you did. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me. Sponsored by the New York Army National Guard. Aired by the New York State Broadcasters Association and this station. In an era where it's tough to know which news outlet to trust. At a time where it's difficult to find facts, not just opinion. There is an oasis in the news desert. It's the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis, the personification of the American dream, who built a multi-billion dollar business empire, talks with some of the nation's top newsmakers who are shaping the news cycle in the city, the country, and the world. Catch the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning, starting at 8 on AM 970. The Answer. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call Listen to NXS, and you want to talk about a sensation uh, right in front of me here in my office in Midtown Manhattan. I have a man who has been a sensation since his days in the District Attorney's Office of New York County. Uh, in my world, in the world that I live in, Benjamin Brofman needs no introduction. But you know, for some people who uh, you know aren't floating around 100 Center Street or the Southern District of New York, you may need to know a little bit about who he is. Uh, he is a, uh, a a native New Yorker. He uh, has risen up from 
let's just say not being the greatest student in the whole world when he was a kid to uh, for the last close to 50 years being the uh, the top criminal defense attorney definitely in the city, if not the country. Uh, I know he's bouncing back and forth to Israel and helping people over there as well. So we could say international uh, attorney Benjamin Brofman. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Did I do it right there? You do it great. You okay. do it great. Now, I, should, I should take you with me wherever I go. I, the, I mean, the, <laughs> the only reason why I'm not going to dwell on your your childhood and your past is I obviously prepared for this, and I looked at a lot of the things. If people want to know about you online, and there is a lot out there um, about you and, and your background, especially your parents, um, <clears throat> you know, they did not have it easy. We could just we could leave it we could leave it at that. Um, and when you look at people like myself who are able to stand on my father's shoulders, who did, he didn't have it easy, uh, you really came up the hard way. And I would like to just focus just momentarily because you're known as being an intellect as well as a uh, theatrical performer in the courtroom. What do you think made the jump from your sh- not being the greatest student in the world to just being a, a great lawyer? Well, you know, I wasn't a great student up until I got to law school. And then, you know, to be honest with you, first time in my life I wasn't working and I was able to just study. And I became a very good student and I got an LLM from NYU after graduating law school. And, you know, then I uh, went to a law firm. And after two years, I said, I got to get out of here because these guys are great. uh, But I want to try cases. And, you know, partner I worked with picked up the phone, called Bob Morgenthau. And 20 minutes later, as I like to say, (laughs) I was in the Rackets Bureau volunteering to try uh, every case that was handed to me. And many of them were handed to me because no one else wanted them. So I, you know, I cut my teeth, and in four years in the Rackets Bureau, which at the time was, you know, the place of distinction. Shall this is we the say. 1970s. Yes, yeah, in 70s, from 76 to 80, I was, you know, I became Morgenthau's uh, fair-haired boy, as uh, we like to say, and I was trying cases and, you know, racking up a lot of convictions, and I realized a couple of things. One. I think I had a flair for the courtroom. And two, it's not so hard to get a conviction when you're the (laughs) district attorney. You know, you got the evidence, you got the facts, you have a defendant who generally can't testify. So you got a lot on. And you more or less get to pick and choose the cases you want to try. And I'm I'm (laughs) speaking on behalf of the people of the state of New York, which is pretty powerful. You know, you don't go in to a criminal case today when I go in. There's no presumption of innocence, you know. People don't feel like the defendant, your client, was picked out of the yellow pages for the distinction of being indicted. You know, I think they believe that someone who's indicted pretty much uh, committed the crime or something close to it that they have been charged with. But as the district attorney, as the assistant district attorney, I felt like I walked on water in the, during those years. And after almost four years, I said, you know what? I got to get out of here. Who was the chief of the Rackets Bureau then? Well, we went through a couple. I had uh, Ken Conboy when I started, who then went on to be a federal judge. And he was uh, replaced then by Austin Campriello. And Austin and I became very good friends. And then uh, Peter Benitez, who's now uh, a judge in the Supreme Court of, uh, I think, Bronx County. Uh, So I had three bureau chiefs, and I learned a lot from uh, all of them. And, you know, to be honest with you, I tried more cases and four years, I think, than the entire Rackets Bureau 
uh, combined. And, you know, that's what I wanted to do. What's very interesting is you said that the original law firm you worked in, one of the lawyers they picked up the phone called Morgan Thorne, you had a job. You say that today in 2022, you get indicted. You get indicted. For well, that, right? you know, they, they I was, know that's the way it was. I'm not. No, saying. but he was, you know, it was Bob McGuire and Andy Lawler. And they, they you know, they were. You know, they came out of the Southern District. They were, at that time, the hottest small white-collar firm in the city, and I was going to court with them, but I wanted to be them. And, you know, when I say they picked up the phone, I mean, Morgenthau thought very highly of both of them. So when he recommended me, it wasn't like anything wrong happened. I remember Morgenthau, Bob uh, McGuire saying to Morgenthau, Bob, I got a great trial lawyer who wants to be an assistant district attorney. I went down. I got interviewed. And I, four weeks later, I started as an assistant district attorney. And he put me right into the Rackets Bureau, which was kind of strange because I didn't have to come up through the complaint room because I had done, you know, like 20 arraignments at that time. So, And do you remember what your salary was in 1976? Yeah, I, I, I was making $15,000 $15, a year. I, had, uh, uh, I was married, I had two kids. Uh, we were living in Forest Hills. My wife was getting a master's degree in library science, and I had two kids uh, in yeshiva. So my salary went to the yeshiva, and we lived on the credit card. And I had a $500 maxed out MasterCard for my whole four years that I was in the DA's office. I could just make the minimum payment every month. And is there a judge from that period of time that stands out in your mind that you tried a case before? From the late well, 70s? My, my favorite judge, to be honest with you, was uh, uh, either Harold Rothwax. And I know, you know, people, you know, uh, don't always agree, but I thought he was a great judge, smart man, great lawyer. And then I had uh, Dennis Edwards, who was uh, one of the first African-American judges in the Supreme Court, uh, New York County. I tried several cases in front of him. I had uh, Irving Lang. He had one of the best lines I've ever heard in my life. And we were in front of 100 Cent, uh, 1 Leonard Street, or 1 Hogan Place, that is now. And we were standing out there. It was a summer day, and he was eating a potato knish. And, you know, he had mustard and potatoes all over his face. And Bob Morgenthau pulls up. And Bob Morgenthau gets out of the car, and he says, Irving, it's Irving Lang, what are you eating? And Lang looks at him and says, I'm eating a knish. If you knew what I was eating, you'd be governor. <laughs> That's a great line. Uh, so you leave the Manhattan DA's office, and where do you wind up? You just hung your own shingle? Or? Well, you know, I, I, it was a tough decision because I had an offer from a couple of uh, really top firms and, you know, starting salary of a $125,000 a year. So going I, from 15000 to 125000 I, I didn't know anybody who made $100,000 a year. I thought you could retire on $100,000 a year, and that this is 1980, with a lot of money. And, um, you know, I borrowed $15,000 from my wife's grandfather, and I decided I was going to open my own firm, and I'd give it six months. And if it worked, I'd stay. And if it didn't work, I knew I could always get a job at one of the firms, because I was a veteran trial lawyer at that point, and none of these firms really had litigators who were able to go into a courtroom. Now, so, that $15,000 that you borrowed, was that to set up your office, or was that to pay the bills of your wife and your children, or it, a little it, both? It was both, but i got to tell you, you know, opening a restaurant got to cost you a million dollars. Opening a law firm, at that time, I needed a desk, I needed, you know... A, a, a phone. A, a phone, <laughs> I needed a selectric typewriter right. that could correct itself, <laughs> and I rented an office from 
Arthur Penn, who owned a townhouse on East 74th Street, right off of Madison Avenue, 18 East 74th Street. The most expensive real estate and in I the was city on the New ground. York. I was on the ground floor. He knew me from when I worked for McGuire and Lawler. He was one of their friends, and he let me have an office on the ground floor. My rent was $1,500 a month. It came with a photocopy equipment. It came with a conference room. It came with the receptionist. And to be honest with you, I was on the ground floor. And this was like an ambassadorial townhouse. It was like drop-dead gorgeous. And when you walked in, I was on the ground floor. You didn't know whether I owned it, whether it was my hot townhouse. So it helped a lot because, you know, I've learned over the years that the image is part of you being able to set, you know, a reasonable fee. Yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm aware of that. So now your first days, and now we're talking about the early 1980s, where did clients come from? Well, I was waiting for the phone to ring, and I was, you know, after a week, I was petrified. I thought, what did I do here? I could be, you know, working for, I don't know, Sherman Sterling or Wilkie Farr and Gallagher and, you know, printing money, as I thought, at a hundred and a quarter. And um, then I get a call from Stanley Arkin who I met when I was in the DA's office, and Arkin uh, says, how about we have lunch? So I took him to lunch, and, you know, I, I'm kosher, so I had, like, a Caesar salad, and he had, you know, steak that they were grilling at the... <laughs> the and, I, you know, I charged it to my uh, credit card, and I spent, like, a month's worth of money on his lunch, and I thought, what did I just do? I thought it was stupid. And then two days later, he sent me a case. Now, it wasn't a big case. You know, the fee was, it was, I think, it was a case. It was a case. And, it, you know, it gives you an opportunity to go into the courthouse and people see you. And it took off. And in three months, I paid back the 15 grand. And, you know, my wife's grandfather said, you're the first guy in the family who ever paid back uh, <laughs> any any money I lent them. So. And to to the now looking back at you at this career, what was like the first case that was like, OK, like this is a real case. You got your name in the newspaper and you, you started getting a little traction. I, I don't remember the first case, but, you know, in the first couple of years I tried or I got the first assisted suicide case uh, uh, when they passed that law where they made it illegal to assist someone in suicide. Um, years later, I had one of the defendants in the notorious Bensonhurst case and um, I got a severance and I had the only acquittal. And that was a horrible case where a bunch of kids, you know, ganged up on the corner and, you know, ended up shooting. That was Yusef Hawkins. Yusef Hawkins was murdered. And all he did was come to the town to buy a car. And, you know, my client was on a corner and um, he didn't have anything to do with what happened. But everybody identified him because, you know, he knew he was known as Jimmy Corvette. Because, you know, that's how kids in Bensonhurst were known by the car they drove. And there was a Corvette. Um, on the corner where Hawkins was uh, uh, murdered, and, you know, he got indicted because he had a Corvette. And there was a six-week trial before, uh, you know, a great judge whose name escapes me. You know him. He was a <clears throat> African-American judge in Brooklyn who was— Yeah, he passed away, though. Yeah, he just yeah, passed yeah. away. <clears throat> tough, tough, yeah, tough, yeah, yeah, tough yeah, yeah, judge. But I'll never forget this. He calls me up um, right before summation. And he said, I just want to tell you something so that you don't sum, sum up in a murder case with some kid's, uh, you know, life in your hands. He says, I don't want to set it aside now. He says, but if they convict him for murder or manslaughter, I'm setting it aside. I just want you to know that going Wow. Out. Which today, <laughs> no one tells you that. No today, way. Right? No, that's a, whoop, that's a nice. 
that's a, so it's like playing with house money, right? right. I mean, but, he, but he was he said something I'll never forget because he didn't like me giving him memos and anything. And, you know, his request to charge, and I wrote... Thaddeus? Was Thaddeus it? Owens. There you go. Right. And I, I uh, stayed up till 4 o'clock in the morning doing a memo on a charge that I needed uh, jury instruction. I give him the memo, and he looks at this, and he says, what's this? And I said, it's a memo. I want to be able to convince you to give me this instruction. And he said, you're trying to persuade me, aren't you, counselor? And I said, I thought that's part of my responsibility. You know, that's what I do. I try and persuade you. They try and persuade you. And uh, there's, there's, there are too many war stories in that trial to to do it as part of this uh, discussion. But when he got acquitted, it was a big deal because the kid, A, was innocent, and his father was a mailman. who was a postal uh, employee, and it was a very, very modest uh, fee. You know, trial lasted uh, Six weeks, but I had no associates, and it was all on uh, on me. So that's so. what I was going to ask you. You tried that case all by yourself? All by myself. and uh, People Jimmy, don't realize Jimmy, how hard that is. That's very hard. It's very hard. <laughs> you know, Very well, hard. And I was, I'll tell you the truth, I was going to uh, court every day, and it was, you know, racial tension in that trial. And I'd come into the building, and, you know, Al Sharpton, who looks a lot different than yeah, in his warm-up <laughs> suit, and his pompadour. I mean, he was leading people throwing eggs at me. Um, and, you know, I was always very proud of my suits. And I said, just don't hit my suit with an egg and we'll be okay, you know. And that, so that was, like, 80? the was in early 80s, early 80s. <clears throat> I mean, I, I, that's, you know, very close to my neighborhood. Um, and what was the, was that your first big press case? It was a pretty big press case. I think on the, on the assisted suicide, that was an interesting, you know, press uh, case because they really were fascinated. What jurisdiction uh, was that? In? It was Manhattan DA's office. And so the first one I was speaking of was the Brooklyn right. DA's office, and and, and then I tried a, a very very good case and against you know the late Mary Johnson Lowe in the Southern District, where I represented a pharmacist um, who owned a pharmacy, not a pharmacist. He owned a pharmacy, and he was charged with uh, you know giving uh, approving prescriptions that were aren't, weren't legitimate. But he wasn't a pharmacist, and I tried the case on what he didn't know. And, you know, I got an acquittal. Um, Actually, Judge Lowe uh, dismissed the case um, after the government rested on a Rule 29 argument. She was a tough lady, and I liked her a lot, and she had the guts to do what she thought was right. And this was very, very early in the 80s when getting a federal judge to Rule 29 a case, as we say. It's almost unheard of. Okay, don't go away, folks. We're going to be back with Benjamin Brofman right after these messages. So let's talk about my friend Susan at Rhino Shield. You guys know how proud I am of my house and how well it looks after years now of weathering and rains and snows and cold and heat. What about that blistering heat? Doesn't hurt the house. And you know what it does? It helps keep the air conditioning in the house because Rhino Shield's not paint. It's a ceramic coating that gets sprayed onto your house. And it helps keep that air conditioning in your house where you want it. You don't want it seeping out the walls and seeping out the, the ceiling in the roof. Rhino Shield guarantees your house will look as if it was freshly painted with an amazing 25-year transferable warranty against peeling, chipping, cracking, mold, or mildew. When was the last time a painter gave you a 25-year warranty? You will never have to consider painting again, at least not in the next 25 years. Rhino Shield will increase the resale value of your home because of what I said. It's going to keep the heat in in the winter and the air conditioning in in the summer. And right now, Susan is offering no payments, no interest financing for one year. That along with her strongest discount yet, 20% off for anyone who requests a free 
free quote by August the 31st. So call today and lock in your 20% discount. That's 877-744-6608. That's 877-744-6608. Or go to rhinoshieldofnewyork.com. And when you reach out to Susan, make sure you tell her that Arthur sent you. Hi, Kevin McCullough. She's back. Linda Perillo rejoins us for Travel Night tonight with some great ideas about vacations for you and your family, even yet before the fall starts. And what is bespoke travel? We'll get into all this tonight at 7. There's a lot to learn and understand when getting ready to buy a home. Having a right lending team in place who can help is important. The lending experts at Citizens Bank can answer your questions about home borrowing or how to get started with a mortgage pre-approval. Call Citizens Bank at 212-857-6668, 212-857-6668, and ask a citizen. Mortgages are offered and originated by Citizens Bank N.A., NMLS number 433960, Equal Housing Lender. A journey to Israel this November will impact you forever. Join Sebastian Gorka, Dinesh D'Souza, and our trusted travel partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours, for 10 life-changing days. Register today at StandWithIsraelTour.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-27. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. We're back here, folks, with renowned criminal defense attorney Benjamin Brofman, who's going to continue to regale us with stories from his awesome career. Since you're talking about judges uh, and and you have the chutzpah to do this, Talk about your observation of the judiciary and what you're just speaking of, having the guts to do the right thing from, you know, 1976 till 2022, when there's so much more scrutiny and eyeballs on the judges. Well, you know, the things have changed a lot. And what's changed really is the technology. You know, today um, it's instantaneous reporting. So whether you're right or wrong, you got to make your deadline. And the deadline used to be, you know, 10 o'clock at night. Now it's 20 seconds after the thing happens. So I remember in the Dominic Strauss-Kahn case where, you know, it was like 100 reporters in the courtroom every time we walked into the building. And Center Street was closed down because, you know, there was so many, you know, it was foreign press, financial press, you know. I was there, Ben. It was oh like nothing God. I've ever, ever seen. It Nothing's was, come was, close. I've never seen anything like Nothing's that. And I've close. been in a lot of... High-profile cases, but uh, and you know, in that case, you know, we're waiting for the judge to take the bench, and I'm standing behind some guy from uh, London who's on an iPad and he's posting in it. Australia, right? And I see what he's writing, and I said, I think what you're writing is wrong. Do you want to wait ten minutes and you'll see what happens? And he says, I I can't wait. Somebody else is going to beat me. And I said, so it doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong. It matters who's first. And who said, was the judge there? Was it Max it, Wiley? No, it, it was a, a it was a, a bail hearing. I think it was uh, Felicia Menon, who was oh. the judge who you know denied bail because uh, 
you know, the DA's office suggested that since he was arrested on a plane, you know, he was a risk of flight. So it was a it was a dark day in my in my life. As great as the day was when, you know, the DA dismissed the indictment that day when he was denied bail and remanded to Rikers. It was one of the darkest days of my Was he originally granted bail at the lower court? No. Okay. No. This so, was the only bail application. And then ultimately bail was set by Judge Obis. The case was, you know, and he was, he was great. But it was $5 million bail on a, on a case that was physically impossible to have happened the way the, you know, district attorney was, you know, alleging this assault. You know, well, let's let's talk about that, because, you know, you have had huge cases of puffy combs. Everybody knows. And, and it goes on and on. Peter Gation, Peter, Peter Gation. But someone who's been at 100 Center Street literally my whole life because my, my dad was there on the Hogan. I was there in the early 70s. I never, ever saw media coverage like that. Every language, every color of the rainbow. Um you get retained on that case, I know, because you had a mutual friend who was a lawyer who had represented Bill, Bill Taylor was representing him with me, and he had represented the International Monetary Fund, and Dominic Strauss-Kahn was the president of the fund. So he brought me into the case. Uh, we worked together, and ultimately, after indictment, when uh, you know Cy Vance uh, agreed to dismiss it, it was like banner headlines all over the world. So let's talk about that, because there's a lot of real estate between the indictment and the dismissal. Give us a little insight of a criminal defense attorney. How How is that achieved? Is it you working with private investigators? Is it then, then getting a meeting with, is it you meeting with the DA himself? Are you meeting with a bureau chief or the chief of the office? Yeah, we had all, all of the above. I mean, we had great uh, private investigators. Uh, when I... I stood in the lineup next to the woman who claimed to be the victim. And once I met her, I knew that we were going to win this case. Because, first of all, you know, she was huge. And I mean huge physically. And, you know, Dominic Strauss-Kahn is, you know, was my size. And, you know... For those who are listening on I'm the radio... I'm 5'6". He was 5'6". She had to be close to 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, <laughs> but when I say huge, I was standing next to her when she, you know, viewed the lineup. And I looked down and her hands with twice the size of my hands. And, you know, Dominic Strauss-Kahn was, you know, he hadn't worked out in like 35 years. And he was, you know, a sort of an overweight, soft man. And she had him flipping her around the, the room. And I looked at this, you know, and I said, this is not the way it happened. Whatever happened there, it's not this. And, you know, when I looked at the, you know, the detectives who were standing next to her in the in the lineup room, you know, I'm looking at them, they're looking at me, and I sort of like, what what am I missing from this uh, picture? And when she ID'd him, I knew that what happened isn't what she claimed because they said, do you see the the man, uh, uh, do you recognize anyone in this uh, lineup? And she said, yes, so whatever number, number four, where do you recognize him? From the hotel. Now, you know, I've stood next to right. women who are victims of a sexual assault, and it's never, I was the guy from the alley, the guy from the hotel, the guy from the cab. It's always, that's the man who raped me, that's the man who groped me. It's always, you know, a, lit, a lot more, uh, you know, serious than the man from the hotel. Um, and then we started, you know, looking at, at the facts. Uh, this uh, woman who claimed to have been assaulted... Um, had so much going on in her life that wasn't good for, you know, for a, a victim or a witness who the DA was going to have to 
vouch for. And you know what happened was the case unfolded very quickly, and then we slowed it down. And once we got him bail, he was bail. He got five million dollars bail, and he was under house arrest in a you know magnificent townhouse in the East Village. I mean, it was one of the most beautiful homes I've ever been in, and I spent a lot of time with him because, you know, he was on the house arrest. Hold on, was the townhouse that DSK stayed in, was it nicer than the original office, the townhouse on 74th? It was Madison? different. Okay, okay. I'm just teasing. It was different. It, it was a very modern facility with a theater room and a, and a projection room and a, and a gymnasium and just breathtaking terrace on the top. It was really magnificent but you know he was and you know we would go down to see him and there would be like 500 reporters camped outside so give us a little insight ben Um, we're talking to ben brofman the renowned criminal defense attorney about the personal pressure that you feel like you said when they set bail on him it was a dark day for you now you're not they didn't set bail well they i'm sorry but they didn't set bail right so you're not going to jail right you're not the one you're going to be with your family so tell tell give folks who don't do what we do a little insight into how it strips a little piece of your soul away when that well, I, I really thought, you know, I once said when the Puffy verdict came in and, you know, they found him not guilty of everything, I thought I was having a stroke. I felt so relieved. But with Dominic Strauss-Kahn, you understand, he went from being, you know, one of the most well-respected men in the world. And, uh, you know, he was like the Henry Kissinger of econo- economics. He was a brilliant economist who was the head of the IMF and... You know, everywhere you went, you know, people were raving about him. And then suddenly he's in Rikers Island. And, you know, he handled it a lot better than I did, you know, to be honest with you, because I know what Rikers is like and I know what he's going to experience. But he handled it like a champ. You know, he, you know, sat there and waited until, you know. What was it like for you that night when you went home? It was horrible. I mean, and don't forget, you know, you and I, we work on a revolving live stage where everything we say is then, you know, either applauded or criticized. And I remember I was trying a case, and you remember the talking heads they had on every night? And, of course. You know, I was trying to put that. I, I, was, I was one you of them. You were one of them, right. But you were okay, because you were, you Well, know, I understand you what's were going a lawyer, on, you know, right. And you knew what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. But we had, you know, people, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying the Puff Daddy case, and I'm working till 4 o'clock in the morning preparing and, you know, I'm at my kitchen table and, the, you know, I have the, radio, the uh, TV on for background, you know, just to keep me, you know, company. And I, I see this guy and I know him and I know he's never tried to case the verdict and he's never picked a jury and he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And he starts out by saying, you know, in the trial today, I don't even know what Brofman was thinking, you know, and I'm saying to myself, you know, who the hell are you? You know, like, and, you know, so. So, you know, we're on a revolving stage. And when we're right, we're heroes. And when we're wrong, you know, we're jerks. And it's not a script. And it's all live theater so that you don't get you can be prepared. But you have no idea what the day's going to bring. So I leave, you know, the courthouse. And, you know, I'm without, you know, Dominic Strauss-Kahn. And Taylor and I are walking out. And, you know, we got to keep upbeat and not let the press see that we just, you know, you know, caught a bad body blow. From we Judge were, Menon, by the right. way. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of know, know what that's like. Right. No, but I, th- I think it was her. And okay. I think, and you had, don't forget, you had Dan Alonzo for the DA's office, you know, you know, and then you had a couple of line assistants, but he was running, you know, and I, I know what they were saying, but they had everything wrong and she didn't care because, you know, she, whoever the judge was, and I think it was Felicia Menon, but. You know, she had the DA saying he's, you know, arrested at the airport on a plane. 
And I'm saying, Judge, that, that ticket was bought two weeks before the interaction with the maid at the hotel. And he was going, you know, to an appointment in London where he was going to lecture on the world economy. He wasn't going to flee. And he's the most recognized, you know, you know figure in the United States at that point in, in the world. Where's he going to go? And, you know, so it fell on deaf ears. But I want to know when you get home. Right. And it's just Ben Broff. I'm depressed. I was depressed. I mean, you know, like I don't I don't drink. I don't I, I don't use drugs. And to be honest with you, it was one of those days when I wish I, you know, drank and used drugs. Did you pray? Yeah, I, but I, you know, I'm not a fanatic. I, you know, I. And, yeah, listen, you don't have to be a fanatic to pray. <laughs> no, but I. And you know, what am I praying for? That he survives mm-hmm. the night and right. No, Rikers? to give to give you the strength, to give you the confidence. To, to yeah, you but know, I, you know, by the, by the time the Dominic Strauss-Kahn uh, case fell into my lap, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years, so it's not like my first rodeo. And you know, my experience, you know, taught me that it's. You know, the last day that matters. You know, uh, you standing when it's when it's over. Is your client exonerated? Because I got to tell you, you know, all of the preliminary discussions in that case were like it was, you know, I was in, you know, in the hula bowl and they were in Yankee Stadium. We were not even in the same universe because, you know, I'm looking for an ACD and a German contemplation of dismissal because he's not pleading to anything. And they're looking at, you know... 15 years. And I'm saying, what, what are we having this discussion for? But I'll tell you the smartest thing Taylor and I did. We had a team of sort of like international uh, investigators, and they found that this woman's boyfriend was in prison, and he was a bad guy. And she was using her apartment to store his stuff and his stolen goods, and, and he would call her. And say thing, and it's from calling from a you know an institution. It's recorded, but he would call her and tell her that, don't forget, this guy's lot of, got a lot of money. And so when we would learn something about her, instead of just using it, like you know, she, she was represented by the, the late Ken Thompson, and he's a good guy, and we became friends. But he was holding a press conference every twenty minutes, and he was criticizing the police and the DA's office because they weren't moving quickly enough and I kept telling him just calm down you don't want to move quickly here and he didn't listen and the DA's office got an indictment and you know and I know that when they rush to an indictment they Mistakes usually screw made. up right? and, but they, they screwed up so royally here and she gave a different story to the detective she gave a different story to the grand jury she was interviewed a couple of times by you know Jonah Luzzi who was given the case and you know, at, at one point, I was bringing information to them instead of going to the press. I was going to the DA's office, and I said, I'm doing this because I want you to know what I know, and I want you to know that this case is no one knows. So, Ben, we're going to take a quick break, and um, we're going to come back, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of uh, Ben Brofman's other notorious cases, so don't go away. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander, now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-27. 
Hi, this is Judge Kamins, a partner at Idala Bertuna and Kamins, and where Arthur Idala of the Arthur Idala Power Hour works at his 24-7 day job. In 2014, I retired from the bench to join ABK, which is a full-service preeminent boutique firm that has been helping New Yorkers when legal problems arise. ABK is uniquely qualified to assist New Yorkers who have a wide range of legal problems, from personal injury claims and civil litigation to criminal defense and trusts and estates. I personally work on appellate matters, attorney disciplinary matters, and complex legal issues with a dedicated group of attorneys who provide a team approach to each case. There is no legal problem too big or small for this talented and hardworking legal team. So when you think of the Idala Power Hour, also keep in mind ABK, the power legal firm. Keep your body moving with powerful nutrients to support your joints and overall mobility. Invite Health is here to save the day and your body with the best-selling Cartilage HX. Cartilage HX helps to maintain the health of your cartilage and promotes flexibility and mobility. This powerful formulation provides a patented form of type 2 collagen called UC2 that has been shown in clinical studies to promote joint comfort and strong, healthy bones. Just listen to what some Invite Health customers in the tri-state area are saying about Cartilage HX. I had a problem with my left knee and had to take baby steps going up the stairs. I'm almost normal now. Miracle! When I climb the stairs, my knees no longer hurt. Stay active with the help of Cartilage HX. Buy one bottle, get the other free, plus free shipping today. Call 800-673-2345 now to order. Again, that's 800-673-2345. 800-673-2345. What you've heard about probiotics is probably wrong. I eat yogurt, so I don't need to take a probiotic. Probiotics? They don't really work. It's time to learn the truth about probiotics and join the Align Healthy Gut Team-Up. Align has probiotics to naturally help relieve occasional bloating, gas, and abdominal discomfort. Try Align Probiotics for a month and see how great a healthy gut can feel. Get $2 off your first month of Align at AlignProbiotics.com. Kevin McCullough is next on AM970, The Answer. All right, we're back here with a criminal defense attorney and overall good guy, Benjamin Brofman, and we were just talking about the DSK case, Dominic Strauss-Kahn being accused of sex crimes literally on the other side of my building uh, in the Sofitel Hotel. Uh, you thought there was media around the courthouse. You should to see what the media was right over here. It was insane. So, you know, Mr. Brofman, you told us about what it was like when you, you, you walked out of the courthouse with, without getting your client bail and he was heading to Rikers and how depressed you were. What was it like when you finally, uh, well, how did you find out that they were eventually going to dismiss the charges against Well, we had a series of meetings with the assistant DA in charge, Joan Aluzzi and her colleagues. Um, and then um, I had, I think, one or two meetings with Cy uh, Vance personally. And I remember saying, you know, you know and I know that this case is going to end either in a hung jury or an acquittal because you're not going to be able to get a conviction in this case based on that woman's, you know, uncorroborated testimony and all the forensic evidence they were finding in the hotel was just so inconsistent with what she said. And so I said, you know, when you have a, 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 a... an infection on your hand and you got it covered with with the band-aid i mean you can pull the band-aid off quickly and it hurts for a second or two but then you know 
the infection disappears. Or you can pick at it for the next six months, and it's going to become even more infected, and ultimately you may lose the hand. So I think, you know, you got to just do it. And, you know, I think ultimately uh, Sai showed a lot of guts in making that decision. Because don't forget, you know, he had been indicted. And uh, we didn't file any really substantive motions, and we were in the very early stages. And then, you know, Jonah Luzzi, to her credit, um, and she's a tough lady, and she's, you know, from Staten Island, and she, you know, knows a rape case from a non-rape case. And I, and I said to Joan, just question her about these facts. And I gave her, you know, five or six good questions. And, she, you know, she came back to me and she said, you know, it's interesting what happens when you confront her with an inconsistency. In my office, she threw herself on the floor and she spun around like a lunatic, screaming like, a, you know, a banshee. And I'm saying to myself, I got to put this woman on the witness stand. You know, what's going to happen when, when Brofman, right. you know, starts to cross-examine her? And I said, so what's going to happen? She says, well, we're going to recommend to Cy that, uh, first of all, uh, we're going to dismiss the felony charges and cut bail from uh, $5 million to, you know, ROA. ROA. And then we Release going, on your own cognizance. Right. You so, you know, that. that's a big deal. And now uh, we're going to go to the next step. And the next step is we're going to recommend to Cy that he meet with you. And, and I said to him, Cy, you know, I said, this has got to be dismissed. I know it's a big ask, but I don't know that there's any middle ground because we're not pleading to anything and you can't convict them. And I'm not telling you that because I'm a big shot. I'm telling you that because I'm a legitimate officer of the court. I think you know me. We respect each other. That's the way this has to end. And, you know, to their credit, they wrote like a 30-page dismissal memo, which they filed with Judge Obis. And, you know, they basically took the position that they had serious credibility um, issues with the complainant and that they're going to move to dismiss it. And Obis dismissed it. Judge, uh, judge Obis was the administrative judge, so he was kind of the boss of the building. He's and, and an he's, excellent judge. He's, excellent a, he's judge. a great judge, and he's an honest man, and I think he was you know, relieved as well because any time this case was on, I mean, if this case was on for scheduling, the, the court officers, who well, I think liked me, says, we got to close down Center Street. I mean, we got no room for anybody. So it was and like that's not an exaggeration. No, it was like complete chaos. And I said, this is going to happen every time we come to court. And if there's a trial here, it's going to be, you know, every day for like four, six, eight weeks. And uh, and they ultimately dismissed it. Now, on the date of the dismissal, you can see the picture. So on but how do you find out ultimately? Yes, we're we going to we went to they called us and said, you're going to come to Joan court calls tomorrow. You? Yeah. Joan called me. She sent us a copy of the memo. Um, you know, I. You know, Taylor and I met with uh, Strauss Kahn and, and his wife, Ann Sinclair, and we told them that the next day it was going to be dismissed, but we had to come to court to do it formally on the record. But, you know, he was obviously relieved. But until you hear the word case dismissed, you know and I know that, you know, a lot Could of things change can change in happen. a minute. Right? right. So we went into court expecting the dismissal. But when Judge Obis granted the dismissal, you know, he hugged us and we were relieved, and then we walked out of the building all together. Just to be clear, your client hugged you, not Judge Obis. No. <laughs> Dominic Strauss-Kahn, you know, hugged me and hugged Taylor, and Taylor and I hugged each other, and we walked out, and then Dominic Strauss-Kahn and his wife went into the car and moved away. And then if you look at the press conference that Taylor and I um, had, uh, there are a couple of things you see in the, in the hard copy photos that, first of all, they're like, I don't know, 10,000 microphones bunched together in front of us. So it's like I was standing on a crate so you could see my face over some of these microphones. And 
Taylor and I are just somebody said something funny and Taylor and I are laughing and someone, you know, took a shot of it. And it's a great picture because, you know, it's like we're laughing what was said and we're also laughing in relief. Total relief. Total relief. <laughs> and, you know, it was a big deal. And um, that was probably one of the proudest moments because it was a dismissal after indictment on motion of the district attorney's office. That has never happened in, I don't think, in my experience ever. I have a question for you. Have you ever shed a tear in the courtroom? Yeah, after the Puff Daddy uh, verdict, I, you know, I really started to cry. That's, you, that's the pressure. People have to realize yeah, that. I really, I re- you know, I've often said in that moment, you know, there were five counts. And, you know, I knew that on any conviction that he was going to get 5, 10, 15 years. Um, and after the fifth not guilty, you know, I almost collapsed. He took the verdict much better than I did. I really felt like I was going to have a stroke and that I started to, you know, tears were rolling down my face. And then, you know, it was uh, one of those moments. And then when we leave the courtroom, one of his bodyguards, who was the largest human being that I've ever, <laughs> ever stood next to in my entire life, he was like 6'6", six, six, 300 pounds. Paul was his name. He picked me up sideways like you would carry a notebook. And he says, I'm going to walk out of the building like this. And I said, no, 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 you can't do that. I will never live this down if I practice another hunch. So he put me down. And we went outside. And it was Friday, late Friday afternoon, and it was going to be... Uh, the Sabbath, and I know Puffy was planning like this drop-dead party, and I got into the car and I went home. And you know, I, I remember saying, "I'll tell you the quote I had," you know, because we went out and all the cameras were again, you know, this was a great verdict, and this, yeah. and this was a jury verdict. So it's as Johnny Cochran was standing next to me, and you know, I remember you know the the press saying, "So what's this like?" And I said, "Well, you know, I know after you win the Super Bowl." The quarterback says, um, I'm going to Disney World. I'm going to Disney World. I'm going to Shul. This Shabbos, Shabbos is coming. So, Well, you guys told me you wanted to hear more about the law, so I couldn't do any more about the law than having this great guest, Benjamin Brofman, here tonight. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And guess what? We enjoyed it so much. The interview has gone so well that we're going to do it again tomorrow. A brand new interview, new stories, new facts, new advice, new words of wisdom. So stay tuned tomorrow. Listen to the author I Dollar Power Hour at 6 p.m. The preceding program, sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.